Today's episode is sponsored by Putting Good into the World. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Episode 18. Um, last summer, I joined this incredible organization called Humor for Hope, where we do improv for kids that are in the hospital. Uh, and on today's episode, I had the wonderful pleasure of getting to chat with my friend and also the director of partnerships for Humor for Hope, Katie Tyner. Um, she's been with the organization since the beginning and is just an all-around kind person. Um, in this episode, we end up talking uh, about how the organization started, what kind of work we're doing now, and uh, also what's in store for the organization as it continues to grow. Um, if you're interested in learning more about Humor for Hope, um, learning about how to get involved, how to support the organization, just to see what the organization is up to, um, you can check out the website, humorforhope.com, and then you can also follow us on Instagram at humor for hope um, quickly before we get into the episode um, as always you can find me performing with lucky lucky every wednesday at the comedy clubhouse at eight o'clock and then also performing with fire and beer every saturday at eight at the annoyance theater and i'd love to see you come out um, other than that let's get right to the episode today's episode was recorded on december 15th 2018 welcome to mr Rotor's neighborhood Let the people know your name. My name is Katie Tyner. It's a good name. It is. It's well done. My name. You know, I don't need to tell them my name. Why not? I like to stay anonymous. Oh, okay. So I can tell secrets about <laughs> other people and expose them. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. Through some technical uh, difficulties, we have fought through that wall and found ourselves. Yeah, you've wasted here. a lot of my time and you yeah. have been very gracious. <laughs> That's right. I feel like that's what you got to do. If you're going to waste people's time, at least give them things. Yeah, at least be nice. That sounds like Christmas. <laughs> Come to my house when you could be doing anything else. But Eat I my crappy food. <laughs> but I'll give you presents. I'll give you money in a sock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you get Christmas presents from your parents? Still? I do. I. It's Presence in my family is very weird because my mom, who I love so very much, she is someone who growing up whenever I reached like adolescence I was a very standard like teenage girl I was not like my parents couldn't do anything right I was a kind of a, a brat a drama queen and and for Christmas and any kind of presents my mom would buy me stuff and I would if it were closed or something like that I would always hate it oh yeah I'd say half the time it was because I really didn't like it and the other half was just to spite them probably and so it became a chore for her to probably buy me stuff. And then we'd go shopping together. That's something that we loved to do when I lived back home. And 
it was she would always hold up stuff and be like do you like this and I would 99% of the time be like no and yeah. we just have different styles and so at it came to a point where she was just like I'm not gonna try to buy you stuff anymore I need you to just tell me what you want and that became like a much healthier relationship for us to like give and receive gifts to each other however even still I will tell her I will send her now links to everything that I want and I'll just say like buy whatever you want you could pick one thing off this list and I'm happy. Like if you're going to give me something, then here's what the person who's going to send nine items that are all like $500. It's here's some little things that I want. Here's going to be one big ticket item. And then she will ignore that whole list. And then it's usually because I um, like your mom. I'm a fan of that. I hate. Why? I, okay, so I think that when someone tells me a list of what they want, she will ask me for it. Okay. Well, I don't ask people. I just like, if someone, like we do Christmas stuff at work. Okay. Uh, and lists of things, like we do Christmas wish lists. <laughs> and I think that I'm going to get you what I think you deserve. Okay. Which I don't know. I feel like I can judge that, I guess. But I just, I don't, like, if you're going to give me a list of stuff to get you, just get it yourself. Okay. Because then you're just saying, I want you to buy me this. When, like, and I'm not going to give like a shitty present. I just think sure. like, I'm going to give you what I think you've earned this year or what I think. You- <laughs> <laughs> oh, like it's some kind of like you've worked really hard or you've yeah. worked like crap or you've been a shitty friend. So here's a shitty friend's Christmas gift. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. I honestly respect that. And I think gift giving is hard. And yeah. that sounds silly because it's just like buying. But some people are really, really, really good at giving gifts. Yeah. They don't need a list. They know this person. And even if they don't know them very well, somehow they manage to hit the nail on the head every time. Yeah, you're right. Some people are really crappy gift givers and they need help. And that's okay. And so my mom, who's not the best gift giver, doesn't seem to know exactly what... Some things she can do well, whatever. But if you're going to ask for a list... I will happily give it to you. Yeah. All I ask is you go buy it. Don't make me work to figure out what I want. Give it to you. And then you go buy me something that's completely unrelated. Which this probably makes me sound wildly materialistic. I don't care. It's just with my mom specifically. It's like, I don't know why you can't just follow the list. And (laughs) that sounds so Mom, if you're listening... She will not listen to this. Okay, well, I will send it to her. (laughs) You need to change how you give gifts because you're not good at it. She's just not a great gift giver. But the thing is, is that she's the most giving person I know. Yeah. Like, she will empty out her purse for you or really anyone. Like, she's... It's not that she doesn't like giving. She loves giving. Yeah. It's just she needs guidance and then... If I don't know if some she's that person who like I think she probably would identify with you if she doesn't want to buy that for you she's not going to buy it for you so mm. if, she, if I send her like a pair of shoes that I want and she doesn't like those shoes she won't get them for me oh so there's a little bit of power in her there is a lot of power yeah, okay yes <laughs> which is I guess I get and that's where I think a lot of people struggle with gift giving too is it's like you buy something that you like and not what the other person likes. Yeah, that is true. And I, I do actually, uh, like uh, last year, uh, so my the, the people in my cube are aware of my feelings about giving people stuff off of their list. And so we do a secret Santa. And uh, the person who was my secret Santa, they sent me a request to fill out my wish list. And then she got me nothing from that wish list because she knew how I operated. And it was 
awesome. Oh, that is it was so, And it was still like stuff. It, it was still things that I, like it was like slippers that I wear at work. And it was awesome. But it was so well done. I was that's like, really oh, you funny. are good at gifting. Yeah, that's yeah. a badass. That's really, really cool. Yeah. My roommate is probably the best gift giver that I've ever come across. She, we went on a trip this summer and we went to like a few countries in Europe. And she got me gifts in each country that we were in together. It's like we're buying gifts for like our friends back home and whatnot. And then when we got back to the States, she was like, hey, I got you some things while we were in Europe. And I'm like, you know, I was there, right? And they were so (laughs) thoughtful. It was things that I'm like, well, this is clearly me. Like they were the amazing gifts. And I was, she blows me away or she'll be the person that It'll be, if the person's birthday's in September, it'll be March, and she'll be like, I already got so-and-so's birthday gift. And I'm like, how? And I wouldn't even be thinking about that. She's like, I just saw it, and I knew it was them, and I got it. And I'm like, you are operating on an entirely different level. Wow. It's crazy. She's impressive in that way. Was that why you went on the trip with her? Knowing that yeah, gifts were good. Yeah, so she'd buy me a bunch of stuff. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. I just came back from a, a Euro trip as well. We did. Sorts. We traveled almost at, at the same time. Yeah, we did. Back to back. And I uh, tried to pack very uh, lightly. We mm-hmm. were going to be like bouncing through Italy, my cousin and I. And mm-hmm. I took basically a carry-on with me. It was a little larger than a carry-on, but yeah. it had reached max capacity very quickly and I had a backpack. And as I was going, I told everyone... I was like, I'm not bringing anybody anything back. I just don't have space yeah. to. Um, yeah. But I brought like jerseys back for my cousins, the little kids. That's nice. I, feel, I had to ask my mom. I was like, is there anyone I do actually need to like bring gifts back for? Yeah. So it was really just the kids. But yeah, I'm not, I'm probably not very good at giving gifts. Maybe to my sister, I feel like I can okay. read her and I can, but everyone, I don't give, I'm not really a gift giver, really. Have you done the love languages quiz? Like what your love language is? No. Okay. Gift giving is a part of that, which is why I bring it up. But there are like, there's this book called The Five Love Languages. And have you heard of it? I've talked about it on this a little bit. Oh, I've never read it. I've okay. been told to it by someone okay. um, a little bit. I was actually just watching the show uh, called I'm Sorry, which is awesome. It was this mm-hmm. show on True TV and now it's on Netflix. And mm-hmm. it seems like it's a show written for comedy people that okay. kind of push boundaries pretty well. But anyways, in this most recent episode they were talking about, it was all love languages. Okay. But explain okay. to the people. So love love lang- to- your love language should not be gift giving. Probably. Okay. By what it sounds like. That's not how you like to express love. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. What are the other options? There's acts of service, okay. physical touch, words of affirmation, and quality time. Hmm. Okay. Do you know? You can take quizzes online that yeah, will yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, help yeah. guide you. But some people know like, oh, this is absolutely how I like to. And it can be different of how you like to give love and receive love. Yeah. Uh, it is interesting that like the uh, that is something that maybe we don't really fully understand about ourselves and about the person that we're in because like so one of the things that happens a lot and this is probably with other cultures but with Indian families like when you go to their house um, if you came to my house like uh, when you're sitting and eating dinner people can be a little over um, aggressive in having you eat stuff just okay. be like eat more eat more and like I can find myself like wanting to yell at family members sometimes like leave me alone like I don't want any more food I'm full yeah this happens a lot and I think that that's like they think that they need to keep giving you food as a wow. way to show love or whatever okay. and I think that's what it is it's really coming from like this genuine totally. place of like we need to feed you we need to feed you and but all it's doing is just like annoying me because I just like want to not that I want to be left alone but it's like I'm going to take my food when I want to take my food Yeah, I appreciate you giving me stuff but you have to 
stop. Like yeah. I went to India a few years ago and uh, I saw, we don't have too much family there anymore, but there's some family uh, that we went to and like some of the family live in kind of the village, I guess. So they don't really, there's not like much money or stuff they can give you. So they, I think the way they try to give is by like food. Uh, and so like, I don't know if you eat a lot of Indian food, but rotis are the little like yes. thin breads or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they just kept putting stuff onto my plate and like, I would be like, you have to stop. And they wouldn't listen. Okay. They would just keep putting it on wow. my plate. And so eventually I just like decided that I'm just gonna, instead of getting really frustrated, I would just like sit and be quiet and just overeat because nobody would listen to me. What if you left it there? It's not, you're not really supposed to like leave it on. The, I just think that then they'll be like, well, you don't need enough. Okay, there's an it's a lose lose for you. Kind of, I okay. feel like just the easiest solution was to just like shut up and, and just eat it. eat it until they would le- like until they. When do they stop? Do like, they stop? <laughs> like eating or giving? Giving. No, I, until like you just the have food's to. Gone. You get up off of the table before they can see your plate, and they're yeah. like. Go to the bathroom to, and throw up. Run and away, come yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, it's just sometimes like and this is like I mean my family that I've known my whole life and it's just like still just because that's just how yeah that's just how they want to give but i feel like it's not yeah. it's just annoying and it's not yeah, yeah. matching up in the same way that's fascinating i should give everyone love languages for christmas this year truly and that's what's also tough is because i think that's what helps cultivate no matter what relationship it is if it's families friends like romantic or whatever like understanding how people operate and how they like to receive love yeah because it's not like if i i am a big i like to give through acts of service and words of affirmation and sometimes people don't like to be served and they just want you to sit down with them whereas yeah. i'm like coming in hot to their apartment and wanting to like do their dishes for them and let that... it no- be known that no offer was made today because your apartment's clean okay all right it doesn't need anything thank you very much absolutely except i would like to give another sweep on the <laughs> the kitchen floor broke some glass today and then yeah. found some glass in my foot yes and so I am bleeding if out. you want i can sweep for you um, I'm happy to. <laughs> and so uh, some people, I'm, I'm sure I make them uncomfortable because I come in and I'm like, I see a need and I'll do it. And then I'm, they're like, you please don't do my dishes or please um. don't. Not that I'm going to like go sifting through their stuff. Like I'm going to organize your closet today, but it's like, oh, your trash needs to be taken out. Like, and it's not, I don't do that with like strangers or people. Yeah. It's like close friends. Sure, sure, sure. But even still, some close friends are like, would you please stop? Like, I just want you to sit with me or yeah i did uh mm. some uh, leadership training thing i don't know what it's called the is it the like letters yeah there's like four letters like dsc and there's like dot is it the one dominant yeah uh yeah they the leadership team at my office did that i your work style yes and how other people um work yeah and like some people want to be told directly like hey can you go do this and other people want to dilly down yeah and i think that that's been a lot of like um i've been a supervisor for the last like year and a half and it was so much of like i never had people work under me before and so now i have uh six five six staff working under me uh and then sort of uh like 10 more that are sort of adjacent because they're working on the under other supervisors directly but i kind of am responsible for them a Mm -hmm. little bit and it's like every individual person responds very differently and yeah. initially i was it was it still is a struggle to like figure out like how does this person want me to talk totally. to them because i don't know like yeah yeah it is a learning 
it's a, a large opportunity for learning. <laughs> Big time. To figure out how to work with people. What is, you know, the old comedy world, like knowing your audience, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. knowing where they're coming from and how they operate. I've definitely had like days where I've sat in my car and just screamed, which I don't normally do. And yeah. just like, it felt so nice because it was just like one of those, it was just, just days where communication like was, didn't work. Yeah. It just like went poorly when I didn't anticipate it to go poorly. Like, yeah. like, like there was one right when I, started working um one of my team members was going to move to another team and because other people had decided she was going to shift um and i went to go ask her just like why she volunteered to move and she heard me say like are you leaving because of me and so this simple conversation of i just thought she was just going to be like i just thought i'd move because i figured i'd make it easier for everyone turned into like i already told everyone else that i wasn't moving because of you and it just was this weird, like, and eventually we figured it out, okay. but I, like, could feel my, it was like, I could feel myself getting, like, emotional in the conversation. Like, I didn't cry, but tears were so close out of the cusp. The, I, because I was just like, oh, I haven't been in a situation, an uncomfortable situation like this in so long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just like those fucking growing pains there. It is super growing. Nothing is, I would say, like, it can be equally, it's one of those weird things, like a where, because I have had situations where I work with people that I'm like, wow, we communicate so differently, and it sucks, and it's so hard. But then it's like, it makes those moments when, like, right now, my boss and I like communicate, I think, like, very well, and it's easy for us to get along at work, and like, she's a great leader, and it makes those moments like Chef's Kiss, like, so beautiful. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, thank you, God, for these moments that I can really understand and appreciate because I've had those other ones where I want to literally drown myself in a toilet. Yeah, that'd be a difficult way to go down. Uh, it would. <laughs> Some of us choose pools. Unpreferred, but, <laughs> but I'll do it if I have to. <laughs> I don't want to put on a whole bathing suit to drown. No. You know, I just want to no, put no, my no. Just go it. quickly. <laughs> By the way, this tea's good. Yeah? Yes. Everyone should know that Shrog can make good ginger tea. Yeah. That's, it's uh, very spicy, and I like that. Mama's recipe. Most of the credit, I would say, has to go to the ginger. Yeah, the ginger's doing its job. It's doing a lot. Of- I'm obsessed with ginger. That's all. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, uh, why, why ginger? Just in food and in teas? Um, both, yeah. I, it's because of its, like, healing properties. I have, like, a weird digestive system, and ginger is really great for that. And yeah. so I've clung to it because I see how much it helps me. And, and the more that, you know, I think if you like something or... It's interesting because I didn't hate... I never hated ginger, but... It never drew me in if it was in an ingredients list of something. Okay. However, in the past maybe year or so, I have like, if it catches, if it's in something, it'll catch my eye and I'll immediately want that. Yeah. Um, so the flavor has become much more desirable to me as well. Mm. You'd like a lot of Indian food then. Exactly. You probably do. I like love them. Indian food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of ginger yeah. in there. Uh, peppermint tea is my uh, oh, ginger. In a, okay. Not in foods, I guess, but, but just in the... Uh, the tea world. Just in the tea world. Yeah, it really like makes yeah. my tum-tum feel real good when it's feeling wild. Yeah. I love a, a ginger... If I'm going to go very specific, a ginger turmeric tea. Oh, yeah. To, I like that too. So... Okay. Yeah. I'm an old woman. <laughs> yeah, you're an old Indian woman. Yeah, I really, really am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've uh, I've told many people about ginger, or sorry, peppermint tea. I've given people peppermint tea boxes. I buy six at a time off mm-hmm. of 
Amazon and then just give them as gifts to people. And You're a big like, peppermint tea fan. Well, I like it because if it's in the office, it helps them. Also, if I run out, I can grab it from them. There's peppermint tea sitting at my parents' house as well. Yeah. No one else drinks it, which is kind of nice. So there's always going to oh, be peppermint tea. Absolutely. I, I don't forbade them from drinking it. I just like... Is there something it. you eat or consume aside from peppermint tea that you feel like you're kind of on an island with it? Like, like with your parents especially? I don't... Okay, this is an interesting question. Like, growing up, I feel like as an Indian family, you had... As, like types of food that you ate is there anything that you have discovered on your own now that your family the rest of your family doesn't hasn't discovered or doesn't want to explore that when you go home you're kind of like oh if I want this I'm gonna have to go get it myself or make it myself and eat it by myself oh um, well I just made them butternut squash soup for the first time mm-hmm. in my instant pot and I learned that none of them had ever eaten butternut squash before wow. okay ever in their life um, there isn't really any specific food. I've definitely eaten, I eat differently since I've been on my own and sort of focusing on like a, I don't know, healthier, right. not, not that my parents eat unhealthily, but just like a, uh, diet that works for me. So like a lot less like rice and yeah. a lot less like potatoes and stuff. And I still do eat potatoes all the time, but like, um, yeah, probably just a lot. It's, it's much more simpler. Like it'll just be a piece of chicken and an avocado mm-hmm. and and if I have other vegetables and like simpler things there whereas like my home is the dinners are like on a regular Tuesday the dinners are pretty intricate okay they'll, they'll be like um, like a, a rice and a potato and then like a bean type dal dish uh-huh. as well and that's usually just like on a regular ass day and then if it's like an event then it just becomes like more so stuff elevated. yeah so definitely like much more simpler mm-hmm. um, and maybe trying to eat like more organic stuff and like yeah. meats and stuff that my family doesn't really do and maybe it's just because it's more expensive to buy like organic sure. stuff for everyone yeah um, i definitely struggle that like when i was still i haven't been living i haven't lived at home in like six years but when i was living at home um and i was kind of going through this like trying to figure out what my diet is and i would eat a lot less rice and just like uh just eat like maybe some greens and like whatever other stuff and initially they're like are you not even eating yeah and I was like, no i am i'm just trying to like shift how I'm eating. So what I do now, whenever I'm at home, I just eat whatever. I try not to right, like, right. like whatever. I need brown rice or white rice or any of that stuff. I'll just like whatever you guys have made is yeah. delicious. Because then I just I just eat how I. It just became much easier than like having to have them make a whole slave other. over. But my also my yeah. like maybe I I don't have as I guess serious of a digestive like like I have friends who like she. She did this like elimination diet to find mm-hmm. out what because she was having all this like weird skin reaction and physical reaction. So she was yeah. like, "I need to figure out what the fuck is happening." Yeah, and so she through that um, like went all the way down to basically like zero, like of the beginning of food and eating really simple stuff and working her way up and found that there were certain types of food that she just couldn't eat. Absolutely. I mean, so I think that was a little bit more extreme. So like having to adjust to what her family was eating or just eat her own stuff yeah so i haven't had to do anything that yeah like i don't really i honestly don't even know why i drink almond milk but i just buy it <laughs> um because i eat like yogurt and stuff so it's sure. like it's regular milk but when i'm at home they make coffee it's just like whole milk and all that yeah. so i'm like all right whatever like yeah. i'll just it makes why yeah make it more difficult yeah but because it doesn't affect me if i was getting like horrible skin reactions and maybe i'd have to Totally. Do you have something like that? Like with your family? Kind of. I have this, I have a, like somewhat, I have this thing called SIBO and it's uh, something you can cure, but you just become really susceptible to getting it again. And it's just this very sexy bacterial overgrowth in your intestines. Yeah. So it makes certain foods hard to digest and it's not a thing where 
it's as simple as saying, oh, it's dairy that's bothering you or it's gluten that's bothering you. It's things like certain foods that are just for whatever SIBO or um, it's a called the diet that you should follow is called the FODMAP diet. And it's an, ana, what is it? Anagram? Analogy? No. Anagram? What is it when it's like letters that mean? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't think analogy. Anag- it's not analogy. I don't know. Anag- anag- uh, whatever. Yeah. It's, okay. uh, sorry, listeners. Y'all get um, it. So F stands for like fructose. So like anything that's really high in fructose. So lots of like fruit is a struggle. So like ripe bananas, apples, uh, things that are healthy, but that just kind of make it hard to digest. And then things like onions, garlic, avocados, asparagus, Brussels sprouts, like very healthy foods, but that just don't always work. And it's that thing kind of like what you're saying with your friend where each person is different. So for me, like I'm able to eat like onions and not be completely destroyed. But so you kind of like work with yourself and try to figure out what. And so when I, thankfully my parents, I mean, I grew up in the South, so it's just like fried everything and like so much bread and like butter and delicious food to be honest but my parents don't divulge in that way a ton um really at all but it's they are so kind in that at first it was like when I wasn't sure what was wrong with me they I didn't know what to say I was just like I can't eat this because it just makes me feel bad and but now that I know what it is and I'm and they've like my mom it was in the medical field and so she's like read up on it and was able to figure out like okay it, she's able to wrap her mind around it essentially so anytime I go home it's always like what can I get what can I buy for you at the grocery store oh cool which is so nice and so and then I will take charge a little bit in the kitchen where it'll be like I think I have a stock of like gluten-free flour and uh, different like things that I can use to make something for everyone that uh, they may enjoy or, or whatnot oh cool and my parents if they're cooking something they will try to do their best to like accommodate you know where it's not going to be something that's like encrusted with like flour or like breaded or whatever i've seen my family make changes too as i've just been trying to like yeah just maybe eat a little better they've Mm -hmm. like seen my dad who's struggled with trying to just like change his diet because he's been eating for one way for so long like trying to eat more greens and maybe not eating rice with the dish and just eating like a salad and chicken and like trying to simplify it sometimes as opposed to this like very complex like rice potatoes and then chicken and other shit and it's like it's really cool to see that they like the the transition is slowly happening and not to fully stray away from like the traditional meals but knowing that like you can't just eat that every day if you're not going to Mm -hmm. be physically active like one of the things i've one of the reasons i've been trying to like maybe tweak my diet a little bit more over the last like five or six years and slowly is like i want to you know, people struggle with making these gigantic dietary changes when they get diagnosed with diabetes or like right. heart disease or any of that stuff. Like my dad, like 15 years ago, had a triple bypass because oh, he wow. ate like crap and didn't exercise <laughs> and was overstressed at work uh-huh. and then had to go through this like big drastic shift. And he's now way more active than he ever was because he just plays a lot of tennis and all that oh, stuff cool. and like still struggled with eating. But like, I just don't, I want to hopefully be at a point like if I ever do need to make a dietary change, like it doesn't have to be this like gigantic drastic thing like because i feel like that's so hard to have to go from one way you've been doing something and now i'm 60 and i have to shift back to just basic stuff i feel like that's not impossible but about as close to impossible as like things are so i want to hopefully be at a point like where if i need to tweak 
something than I don't want to be 60 and feel like I'm 90. Yeah. Because you see those people who are 80 and they are walking around like they're 55, which is still super active. And that's just kind of my fear is that if I'm going to be on this earth, I want to be able to enjoy it and uh, in every way, not just, but especially physically. Because if I can't get around, then what am I what am I doing? Yeah. In my, I mean, kind of. I, obviously, like, what I mean by that is I want to I clearly, like, be sensitive to people who may have ways that, like, oh, I can't get around this way. Like, for me, as a person who has been blessed with, like, not fit, like, no physical disabilities, I want to be able to, like, take care of my body and utilize it in the best way for as long as I can. Yeah. You know what I mean? Same like, here. I mean, I want to be like, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if, if things go well and I'm around as an old person, like I want to be like a functional, mobile old person or yes. even like a young person. I mean, I listen to like, I mean, like I assume you're around the same age. I'm 30. I'm turning 31 uh, on uh, December 27th. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the early birthday wishes. Happy early birthday. Thank you so You much. are so welcome. 31. I just, I turned 31 in August. Oh, hell yeah. 31 is just... A dream. Yeah. <laughs> but like like people will talk about like uh, like feeling old at 31. And while that is true, like I definitely sure. am not able to bounce back from the drinking in the same right, way. Right, um, On a kind of a related note, I find that on my uh, days after drinking, I'm more prone to feeling emotions in a... It's, things just really? make... Oh, yeah. I will tell you. I was, I'll tell you that in a second. But um, yeah, like I just... Uh, like I'm, we're thirty, and things like uh, our our bodies aren't twenty. They don't work like they used to. Like my knees kind of suck. Yeah, mine too. But like we have to work to prevent the like delay the decay, I guess. And it's small things too. Yeah. Like posture is something I think about a lot now because I don't want to be a hunchback. Yeah. I am like reminding myself like it's small things you can do every day of like learning how to sit properly and stand properly and. Like trying not to cross my legs because that kind of fucks up your alignment and uh, really yeah like if you do it often and a lot like it will mess with your hips from mm. what I've read huh. and so um, but it is interesting like I stretch I I stretch stretching is at so work important constantly like I am just like constantly trying to touch my toes mm-hmm. and just like open up my hips and I'm not the like crazy flexible but I just don't I know like we're I'm sitting at work all day I actually have been standing a lot more but. Like we're just we're Do you not... have a standing desk? Yeah. Good for you. I've been standing hard. For some reason, like this last like two weeks I've just been basically standing all day. And... Yeah. But also like I feel like it makes my so like the reason peppermint tea entered into my life was because I was getting like just like my stomach wasn't feeling good. I would feel like bloated and just weird. Mm-hmm. And like ended up like I got H. pylori for a while, which is just like uh it's a like an ulcer kind of, but it's a, like a bacterial infection in your gut. And so oh, I would just man. feel like there was air coming out of all ports of my body. Like my ears felt full. I just felt like uh, distended. Yes. And so uh that's kind of where peppermint tea entered into my life. And I think a lot of it was like just being so stationary. Like when I was in Italy, we were there for was there for two weeks and we ate pasta and bread and pizza nonstop. But I felt great yeah because we were moving like absolutely like i think a lot of my tummy issues if i (laughs) my little tum tum my tum tum 31 (laughs) saying tum tum that's cool ladies (laughs) um it just i was so like mobile that it didn't 
it just didn't affect me because I was sure. just I was being utilized. But here, it's like you sit. We sit all day. It just stays in your stomach and yeah. it doesn't get moving, like, or it doesn't get like moved or utilized. What do they say? Like sitting is the new smoking? Yeah. It's bad. I think I need to invest in a standing desk. I'm My job requires me to be up and about a bit. It depends on the day. Like I, if like candidates are in interviewing, like I will show them around. And so that's a lot of walking around our office. But some days there's no one in and I will literally sit at my desk yeah. and work for nine hours. Yeah. And we're the type of, I mean, I will say our office has a culture where we will sit together and eat lunch together, but there are days definitely where it's like, I'll get up and heat my lunch up and go right back to my desk and eat it while I'm working. Yeah. It's a bad, it's a bad habit. I think we all fall into that. I mean, yeah. I, I, but you have to be pretty, I try to be pretty active or conscious of that. And like, I'll right. just like, I'll be at my, if I eat at my desk, I'll like turn around so that I'll have my food on one of the like uh it's like a cabinet so mm-hmm. i'll be standing not looking at my dad i feel like i oh that's nice i feel like the stoop kid who's always just like hanging out waiting for <laughs> someone to come and talk to him because that's eventually someone will be like why are you standing and yeah then they'll talk to you and it's, yeah so you get some personal interaction absolutely you got some standing going on <laughs> <laughs> the blood is flowing yeah. the conversations are happening <laughs> uh, so I want to ask you about Humor for Hope. Oh, yeah. Please. Um, tell the people about it. Okay, I'm happy to. So Humor for Hope is a 501c3 nonprofit that is local here to, in Chicago. Uh, my best friend, her name is Hope, she started it back in maybe 2012 was when it, like the idea was born. She, I hope she doesn't mind that I'm like kind of telling her story, but at the time she was, she had maybe four jobs. She was working at Second City. She was a server. She was doing a lot of stuff. And she had moved here for comedy uh, from Tennessee. And she was volunteering at Lurie Children's Hospital at the time. And there were certain kids who were on isolation. So they were usually suffering from either like a chronic, acute, or terminal illness. And these uh, moments in the hospital for their illnesses, a lot of times they're susceptible to infections. So they were isolated to their rooms. So they couldn't get her out. They couldn't go down to the playroom and interact with other kids. And it really took a toll on their emotion and their mood. And I think that I'm hopeful that a lot of the community in and outside of the medical field can understand that like that stuff's all connected. So like how your emotions and your mental and your soul, like how that feels will affect your physical body and your state. So Hope kind of recognized that. And she, given that she has an improv and comedy background, a light bulb went off and she thought, what if we went into these isolation rooms and like we did improv with these kids? Like there's no prop, there are no games, there's nothing that's going to possibly bring in an infection. Uh, it's just our imagination, it's object work, and that's really all you need for improv. And so she, they, the nurses were like, you can try it. Like, I don't know if it's going to work. They were probably a little maybe... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like Hesitant or Yeah, hesitant. Skeptical. Skeptical, that's what I'm looking for. So she went in and it worked like these it kind of pulled them out of their shell. It allowed them to explore their creativity, whatnot. And so she saw an opportunity there. She's like, this is not I mean, Lurie Children's is one of the best hus- children's hospitals in the country. And it's something that doesn't doesn't exist. So she started to work towards that. And that's kind of where it was born. Um, and so flash forward, like, what, five years or so, six years. And uh, I came on board kind of in the beginning and it was interesting because it was definitely a 
a rough start. I mean, both of us have creative degrees, so we don't know how to run a business. <laughs> we still don't. <laughs> like, uh, we're still sitting around like in our meetings and we're like, wow, what, how do we do this? But in the beginning, it was much <laughs> harder. It was just, a, and she took the brunt of everything for probably, as far as like getting our 501c3, getting a board of directors. Like these were all things that she absolutely did. I kind of was a brainstorm and pe- something, someone she would bounce ideas off of. It wasn't until the last maybe like three years that I actually, or four, that I started to invest in like executing things and saying I will take on the job of trying to find what someone who can help with our finances or like learning how to do this or that or whatever. And so anyway, all that to say now um, we work primarily out of Comer Children's Hospital at the University of Chicago and which you know very well. So thank you for being a volunteer. Thanks. Um, and we volunteer every Wednesday doing improv and short form games for children who are on isolation. And so we have a group of volunteers that come in and and we'll usually get maybe 15 or 20 uh, kids a night that, that they want us to see. Um, And uh, we'll essentially spend some time with them doing again, like I said, like improv and short form um, games to just kind of like relieve the reality and to spark their creativity, allow them to get out of their shells, um, do some thinking and just express how that is and kind of break down that wall that uh, kind of gets built after having spent several, several, sometimes months at a time in, in a hospital bed. And so that's kind of where it started or as a, uh, what we do here locally. Um, we also are in the process of uh, creating a an after school program for uh, kids on the south side of Chicago to do like an intensive improv workshop. So like a 10 to 12 week after school program for them. And that would be catering towards youth who suffer from trauma. So a lot of them are suffer from or like a, a, a by, um, or what's what I'm looking for, like they suffer from either directly or indirectly from any kind of like gang violence or things like that. Uh, and then globally, like we are building this sector that allows us to travel and do short uh, trips, so maybe a week, two weeks to, to serve communities globally. So the first one was a, a couple of years ago, Hope went to Africa with a doctor she knows in New York. And they served women and children in Africa who suffer from HIV and AIDS. And so she worked with them. And then just last summer, Hope and I traveled to Turkey and we went to the Syrian border there. And we worked with this organization that's also based in Chicago called the Karam Foundation. And they have what's called the Karam House in Turkey. And it's essentially a safe house almost for Syrian refugee youth who are in Turkey because they couldn't stay in Syria. They need education. They can't get it in Turkey. So each week there are people who lead workshops and they travel in from all over the world. And usually it's catered in like within like the arts or technology fields and they learn these kind of competitive skills. And so we went and taught them improv um, last summer. And so that is, in short, kind of what we're doing now. Of course, we have all these dreams of like making it into something big, but um, we're hoping to expand in hospitals and we would love to see it be something that's 
of course, like national and, and even global, like within hospitals to serve um, children who, you know, are unfortunately in hospitals a lot. So yeah, that's the base of it. No, that was great. It's great. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty. Uh, I'm a fairly like new uh, volunteer to this organization. I started back in August, mm-hmm. I think, or I met you guys, uh, the few uh, Hope and uh, Caitlin, Caitlin yeah. um, back in like uh, June or July. Yes, uh, and I just like uh, so like I got an email um, from work. It was like a volunteer opportunity, and it just it said like improv volunteers wanted, and I want to. Like, uh, improv's very, I talk about it basically every time I speak mm-hmm. to a human ever. Um, just like, it's hard not to if you're in it. Yeah. And it's, it's been very, uh, like for me, it's super, uh, impactful and, sure. and sort of has shaped a lot of my, has shaped the, 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 basically my life over the last four or five years. And so I'm always want to find more opportunities to be able to do improv in any way. And so this was like, uh, I got this email and they're sounded like a cool organization and then i met you three and it was just really awesome to like sit and uh, like hang out with what felt just like basically it was like i was kicking it with improv friends for yeah uh, for sure but like improv people doing like really awesome stuff and it seemed like a really nice organization i'd been looking to try and like volunteer in some form or another and i haven't really i don't have a history or a track record of volunteering um, yeah but this just seemed like a really great opportunity and as i've um, been doing it it's only been for a few months and uh it's only been a few times in those few months but it's been really interesting to see like uh in the small sample size so far just like people's reactions to it um like starting to go into rooms now where like the i've either met the kid before or they've just interacted with Um, someone else from the organization and just how much they light up and how the people in the hospital either the like nurses or the um the the child life yeah the child life specialists at work and just like how excited they get and Mm -hmm. and to me it's like oh i'm just here like once a week and every few weeks for like a few minutes and people get pretty jacked up about it and it's like oh damn like i don't even think i'm really doing that much but right. it is really cool because like i realized a few weeks ago, i was like oh we're giving them some tool hopefully that they can like take home or yeah. while they're in the hospital if we're not here these like little games that you can do to break up the monotony because we do like walk up i mean you've been doing it for a long time but i've walked into rooms where everyone's just kind of like sitting there um yeah. like not doing anything there was this one i don't know if you were there with me but there was this one girl who we like were standing out trying to figure out if we should go in mm-hmm. uh, and we could see that she was crying and so we like we were just about to walk away and the dad came out and was like are you guys here to like mm-hmm. i think he thought we were doctors or whatever right um <laughs> and we're like no nah, we're just like uh we're this humor for hope we come into kids rooms we do improv with them um but she seems like she's having kind of a rough day and the dad was like well she just got on some medicine she's been going up and down in emotion but you can come in and try if you want to so we went in and like very quickly uh we did this game called kitty cat career which is charades with cat sounds and uh (laughs) (laughs) arguably our our signature game (laughs) and uh and like very quickly she went from like being sort of like hunched over and sitting down to like standing up and very vibrant and that was like within like two minutes yeah that shift and it was really cool to see and because it was just like all we did was Made that's amazing. Cat sounds and yeah. like this kid, like totally shifting. You can see the parents getting like pretty, yeah, um, excited. It's it's it is wild, and it's it's like amazing. Even as you're saying that right now, I am reminded, and I'm like get almost emotional thinking about it because I've done this for long enough. I mean, I've been in the hospital for like over two years, and have and it's so I don't. And then on top of that. 
we are all busy outside of that, right? So it's like we have full-time jobs. We are not at the time, like anyone who's a part of Humor for Hope is not able to dedicate their nine to five, 40 hours a week to Humor for Hope. So we're all like juggling so many things that sometimes I get so caught up in my own dumb world that I can't always see the reality of what we do. And so hearing you say those those things and I have to constantly remind myself that like what we are doing matters and what these kids are experiencing is powerful and it's unbelievable. And it's interesting because it's like for us, we go in once a week and we spend 20 minutes with each child and then we leave and we don't see them for a while or whatnot. Um, but they're in this hospital for you know, sometimes we do see kids that they're like, well, they just had a tonsillectomy and it's like they're going to be in for a day and mm-hmm. then that's it. And that's like what you always want. You don't want ever a child to be in a hospital ever. Um, so, but then you get these kids that it's like they have cancer and they have been in the hospital for the past eight weeks straight and they're going to be in for another two weeks and then they're going to leave and then they could get an infection and then have to go right back in. Yeah. And it's their reality is really awful, especially as a child. Anyone, no one should have to experience that. But when you're, you know, five, seven, ten years old and you just really get your childhood ripped out from under your feet, it's it's awful. And so for them, us coming in, not to toot our own horn or puff up my chest and say, look at what we're doing, I just forget that that they really look forward to stuff like this because they've been by themselves or with their parents just sitting there all day. And, and so it's, it does, it does. It's really important to me. And I have to remind myself a lot that like, and, and when the thing is, is like my ego, my, my problems are always checked at the door when you do go in and you see these kids whose days really get turned around or you'll like, leave the room and then the parents will follow you out just to say, hey, like, this is the first time that this kid has laughed in the past three days. Like, you made that happen and thank you. Or the nurses will say, this kid has been just such a bump on a log and just so down for the past week. And that's the first time that we've seen him or her act in this way and, like, be super happy about something and so it it's it is really powerful, and it makes. I mean, that's why, of course, why we do what we do. Um, it's really, really neat. And then it's, it's, yeah, it's a range of emotion for sure. But it's cool. Yeah, yeah. There was this one kid. Uh, he was a he was a teenager, or whatever. And uh, uh, we asked. I forgot how it came up. But basically, he was like, uh, "Really, all I really want to do is just get out of my room." He was in isolation because he had C diff, uh-huh. uh, which is just like uh, basically toxic poop. Yeah, and like super. Uh, um, What's the word? Um, contagious, I guess. Yeah. And uh, so we spent 15 minutes just talking about pooping yeah. everywhere. And it yeah. was awesome. And you could see him like light up. And then we left and I was like, oh my God, that was wild. We it's just crazy. talked about shitting and it's like hopefully like made this kid's day a little bit. And better. that's kind of the nice thing is that sometimes you go in and, and especially if you are dealing with a child who is a repeat and a, you know, long-term like hospital patient or whatever like long-term patient you get to know them and you get to know their family and their parents or their whoever their caretaker is and then it's like you kind of walk in and you're able to 
you don't have to introduce your, I mean, you do introduce yourself, but then you can just kind of say, how's your Thanksgiving? Did so-and-so like their present? You kind of treat them like friends and family, which is just really the, the best part. And you, you go on these journeys together. And, and sometimes it's really tragic. We've had children that we've been really attached to have passed away and we've, you know, gone to funerals of children that oh, we wow. have, that have, you know, that have passed and, and it's so it's definitely got its ups and downs, but it's it's a, it's amazing to be able to connect with these these families in, in these ways and these kids in these ways, right? Yeah, like it's it's really fascinating. No, it's pretty phenomenal. amazing that you guys like uh, uh, that you started an organization like this. Like I've I've really tried to figure out like um, I think uh, a, a, a friend a buddy that I recorded with Abel um, one of the earlier episodes. Him and I remember in high school us talking about like. We're in these privileged positions. He's an African-American dude, uh, and he's like, uh, I'm African-American, but I have, like, like life is good and stable, and, like, it's just I've, I've educated, and my parents are, like, have like a good supportive family around sure. me. And so, like, how can I use that to help the world? Like, we've, And so same with me. Like, I mean, all the opportunities in the world, how can I... Uh, use this position I'm in to sort of do better and I mean I feel like this organization you guys created something like that to be able to like just like start some shit that is putting like good vibes out into totally I mean it's all hope I mean this was definitely her I mean it's she will say that this is my thing as well which I will own but she started this like this was her idea and she's I, I could talk about her, like, all day. She's just one of the most impressive people I know. But she, like, we both share, and I think everyone who's on our team shares in this vision and passion and desire and conviction to put good into the world. Yeah. And there's so much good in the world, and I think we forget that because the media and all we revolve around are the bad things, sure. the drama and the tragedies, which are also very real and very present, but we definitely want to try and uplift and counteract that stuff. And, and so it's an honor. And I'm the same boat. I mean, I've never really wanted for anything. My, I didn't grow up wealthy by any means, but I was always cared for. I was always able to do what I wanted to do. And yeah. even as an adult now, I'm mostly really able. And so it's... It would be selfish and it would be small-minded of me. I'm just speaking for myself to... She's pointing at me as she says I (laughs) (laughs) I have a gun up to your head. (laughs) (laughs) But it would be so selfish of me to go throughout life. And this, again, I don't want to put this mindset onto anybody else. This is just how I feel about myself. I would never want to live this life in a comfortable way in the sense that I have everything I need, I have a community that I love, and I'm just going to keep it that way. I am convicted and have been for a long time, probably since like junior high, of understanding that most of the world does not live that way. Most of the people on this planet struggle. They may or may not have enough to survive. And I'm one of the few who has been blessed with the opposite. And I can live a life of comfort if I want, or I can take these abilities and I can take these opportunities to stretch myself and make myself a slight bit more uncomfortable in order to try to bring others 
up to my level, right? Like I couldn't, I don't know if I would be able to live in a good mindset if I did it otherwise, like yeah. either way. Well, I think like, so my parents, like, uh, I think I had a very, in a similar sense, like we, we, uh, we weren't like rich or whatever, but mm-hmm. there was definitely like, I don't remember struggling. And yeah. I for certain know that there was a hundred percent struggle because same they like, they came here and knew nothing. Like my parents came, um, my dad and his two sisters came first. And then my mom came about a year and a half later after they got married. But when was this? You told, you've told me this before. I remember, but when yeah, did they come to America? In the mid eighties. Okay. Like my dad and his sisters came in 84 and my mom came in 86. Um, but they were like already married on paper and she it. just took a while for her to come over through the paperwork and everything. Okay. But they didn't know anything about this culture. They were like in their thirties and, or like my dad was in his thirties. My mom was in her mid twenties and, um, like basically needed each other to be able to like buy the house and just do everything. Like they had to like four people worked and like some of the money went to paying the house, some of the money went to the food. And like the result was like, I never felt like we were struggling. I look like I didn't get gifts all the time, which is right. probably why I don't understand how to give gifts. <laughs> and that's their fault. And, um, but like through that, I was sort of put in this super duper like rel- like comfortable position sure. and i very much have the option to lay back and not do shit of course and i i know i could do more on a daily basis Same. but it's like sometimes i sit and i'm like i am a lazy piece of garbage yeah. and i have to help people or like i'll walk by i don't know how if you experience this but every single time i walk by a person sitting on the sidewalk asking for money if they're homeless or if they're not or whatever the case is like my heart, it's just clenches. And I'm like, and sometimes I give money, sometimes I don't, sometimes I, whatever. Like uh, we all experience this because we live in a big city and there are people like that all over. Yeah, yeah. But it never, it's something that's, it's on my mind so much sure. every single day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, and yeah, so I just like feel like if I'd be like, I think the big, like the biggest way I could pay back my parents would be to like do like i mean i don't want to say better than them but like do more than they were able to do for a number of reasons because i was born here uh they just like just went to more school than them and it's just the the, i didn't have to do the same build up life and then move it's already that like i was already put on absolutely like a pedestal of some sort so i can just kind of move forward from there and so like there's so many things that we could be doing and yeah just like internally just feels like yeah that's just like something that needs to be done it's like a, it's a definitely a pay it forward because i'll sit back and i'll think like because my parents they got married very young and they were super poor whenever they were first starting out and even when my older sister was born they lived in a trailer they had just no money at all and they were like they worked their asses off to ensure that we would have a a, the best life that we could, right? And they both grew up in like very humble homes. And so it's so a lot of times I almost feel this guilt. I'm like, I moved away from home and I'm living this life. I did life so differently from them. And I think like I need to pay them back. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think that's how life works. As a parent, I, I don't have kids, so I could be talk. I'm definitely talking out of turn, and I'm probably, I'm sure there, if there this are any whole, parents listening, they're probably like, you're an idiot. This whole podcast is to talk completely out of turn. Okay. I talk about children <laughs> stuff all the time. Right? Uh-huh. I just, but I think like, as a parent, it's such a selfless job yeah. that I don't know if there is an, I don't know if parents if it's your job to receive back from your children. I think maybe once you get old and you really can't take care of yourself, like, yes, it's a child's job to maybe 
take care of your parents or whatnot. But I think it is this cycle that it's not cyclical. It's it's a line. It's linear. So you keep moving forward. As yeah. a child, you acknowledge and you respect and you honor what your parents have done for you. And then you work again, like you said, to keep that moving and try to push it further. Yeah. So like I want to make, if I have kids, like give them an if a, as good as or an, a better life. And also on top of that, like spreading this wealth or whatever it is, resources, time, relationships to those beyond my own inner circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never actually felt like my parents expect anything from me. Other, like, don't, I feel like the only thing that they expect of me is like uh, respecting like them and like family mm-hmm. and those little things that I think is obviously that's sure. no like no shit like that. But no, like uh, we just we did this for you, so now you have to do this for us. There's never like any of that, which is which is amazing. Like totally. it is like such a selfless job. Like you kind of have to ride with whatever your kid is doing. Which is like, I don't even, like, that doesn't even make sense. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think I love anyone in like, I can't, I I can't love a person like a parent loves a person. Because I think it's just a completely like. It's so different. I think your brain chemistry actually changes. Something goes crazy in your brain. Yeah, yeah, you're going insane. I think so. There are things that I just, my mom tries to like open my mind to that. And she's like, you'll just never understand. She's probably told me this 10,000 times. Like, you'll never understand the love that like a parent has for a child. You yeah. just won't get it until you have your own children. And I've come to the point where I just really believe it. And I'm like, you're exactly right. Like the things that you do for me, the things you, the reasons that you act so whatever erratically or intensely, it's just because it's, you love something so, so, so much. My, my boss just had her first baby and her daughter is six months old. And she, we have a, she was on maternity leave for four months so she's only been back in the office for two. Got a part-time nanny. She works from home a couple days a week. The rest of it, the nanny is there watching her daughter. And I have never, my, she just recently had to let her nanny go because of some, some things that they were dealing with and it just wasn't working out. But I mean, I've never seen my boss. My boss is usually so like level-headed and never really lets anything like drive her emotion up in a way. But seeing her as a mother, like caring and for a child and a fear of that her child is not being taken care of properly, I was like, holy shit, that whole world of love is so real. Yeah. Like even she was telling me her husband was like, I've never seen you act this way. And it's like, that's what having a kid will do to you. Yeah. <laughs> it just completely changes your emotion and who you are and, and whatnot. Have it's- you seen Knocked Up? I have. Do you know there's a scene with Seth Rogen and his dad? I don't know if you remember that scene, but they're yeah. sitting at a coffee shop that's just as like uh, Seth Rogen's found out that uh, Catherine Heigl's having the baby, and they're both. It's it's actually they shoot it really well because they like cut back between Catherine Heigl talking to her mom uh-huh. and then Seth Rogen talking to his dad, and his dad says, "You're the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life." And Seth Rogen's like, "Oh, I feel sorry for you." And his dad <laughs> is just this, like loving. It's such a cool like it really seemed like yeah. a real father talking to a son yeah. about just like. Basically, like, I love you through all of your bullshit. Like, there's, like, nothing you can do that'll make me not love you. And I feel like my parents have never really said those words specifically, but it's very clear. Like, they get annoyed with me. They don't agree with things that I've done. Like, my dad actually did tell me, he goes, "Uh, the door to our house will always be open for Mm. you. Even if, like, I'm not talking to you, 
this door is always mm. open. That's insane. That's a like. Why would you say that to right. a person? That's a psychotic. <laughs> right. You right. Know, forever, I can come into your house. That's insane. What if I'm? I feel like the only thing that if I punched like someone, like your grandmother. I think something. I could punch my dad, and he'd still let me come in. But if I punch like my grandma or my aunt or my mom or my sister, I think maybe it would that, be a maybe thin the ice. door would be like I'd have to kick through the door. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, like it's like basically un like the fucking unconditional love in a way that is mind boggling. It is. It's crazy. My parents are the same way. My dad doesn't show emotion as well as my mom. But even still, my dad is very emotional. Like he tells me he loves me and he does I we disagree on a lot of stuff, but I've never doubted the love that my parents have for me. And my mom, like, there are things that I've... I mean, we've all made wildly terrible mistakes, and I am no exception to that. And I oftentimes get... It's interesting because, like, my parents have lived a very... I will call it robust life in the sense of the decisions they've made. They were big partiers when they were young. And so they know a world of, like, regret and and, like, making mistakes and whatever, which we all do. And for whatever reason, like, I always think I chose to carry this burden of, like, I have to be perfect and I have to, like, always make the right decisions. And so when I didn't or when I don't, I get so – I don't want to share it with my parents because I'm afraid of, like, they'll be disappointed in me and whatever. And I – there was this one really, really dumb decision I made not that long ago. It was, like, last year – and I didn't want to tell my mom, but I told my sister and she was like, listen, like you, everything's okay. Like you're okay. You're safe. Like don't worry about it. And I understand if you don't want to tell mom, but like mom's never going to kick you out of the house or, you know, whatever. And I ended up telling her, I was like, this is what happened. And it's crazy because sometimes my mom will get so mad at me over stuff that I'm like, why are you so mad at me about this? Like, I didn't call you for two days and now you don't want to talk to me anymore. <laughs> but in these major life moments when I come to her kind of broken and I say, this is what is happening or this is what I did or whatever, she will always like, it's like a switch where she'll just say like, there is literally nothing you could ever do that will make me love you any less. And I see what you did and you know what like life happens we all do dumb stuff and I love you 0% less like it's it's wild it's truly truly unbelievable yeah ugh we have good parents I think I think, think so yeah <laughs> I think so <laughs> which is awesome and I feel and it another reason why I feel like I need to pay that forward cause not everyone is has that yeah no I agree you know um, we're kind of coming close to I know you said you have to cut it what like 10 minutes or so 15 minutes yeah 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 well um i don't know i was hoping you'd say i gotta leave oh i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) i mean sure (laughs) and i don't need any more of this we've gotten everything i need yeah um are you what are you looking what is your goal for 2019 this year is coming to a close we have what 
a week and a half left. Yeah. So there is a little caveat. Uh, these episodes don't get released immediately. So I will, what I say now will be like tested because most likely it'll, this will be released closer to February. Really? Usually, because I just, I uh, I probably, I think every episode I've said. Okay, so Valentine's Day is coming yeah, up. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, So one of the things I for sure am going to be doing is taking some swimming lessons because I don't know how to swim well. Oh, wow. Um, and I'm tired of being scared in water. Okay. Um, so I want to have a focused, and I've been already with improv kind of doing this, but a focused focused uh, uh approach in uh like trying to rid myself of certain fears or weaknesses um and swimming and getting like uh, so i can swim in like five feet of water okay. i can go back and forth and it's not efficient i get kind of tired but the when water becomes deep um i don't know how to tread water um, okay. i get very panicky every time i've snorkeled i go through i don't i get like I, I have panic attacks. Basic. I don't know what a panic attack is, but I can't control my breath. Wow. I'm just quickly like <sighs> when I'm snorkeling the whole time, horribly uncomfortable, even with like a life jacket on and a snorkel in my mouth and all that stuff. And so I'm gonna try and take some swimming classes at UIC. Yeah. Um, to wipe that uh, fear out of the uh, books. The water. Wipe it out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I. That's a great. That's a great goal. Yeah. Wow. What are yours? I want to get into therapy regularly. Um, I've dabbled in it. Like, I think it's something that I've probably needed to do for a while. Other, no, for no other reason, just than to like help balance my life and like talk to someone who has an unbiased opinion and can kind of offer advice or or just practical tools I can learn to like balance my life out a little bit. And so I'd like to do that. Um, I also want to learn how to play the piano and I've had a keyboard for a few years and it's just sat in my closet. And so, um, I kind of want, that's something that I'm like, I've thought about doing for years, of course, and, and it's just never happened. And so I would like to do that as well. Cool. Yeah. I would just teach myself. Oh, okay. Yes. There's um yeah, I've uh, I've I've taken piano lessons two different times in my life. I took it as a youth and then I took it again as kind of a like when I'm uh like 24, 25 and um I didn't practice as much as I should. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, learned that through those two different times, the only song I ever wanted to learn how to play was Fur Elise, but it took oh, yeah. me two times in like seven years to figure that out. <laughs> um, stick with the practicing would be my big thing. Yeah. What, every, like, and I took drum lessons um, for a little bit as well uh, last year, and then I just got a lot busier with like improv and sketch and right, stuff, and it took up right, just right. a lot of my time. Yeah. Um, but like both of the the dude who was teaching me drums and the piano teacher was like, if you can just spend ten minutes every day playing it, but like if you can spend ten minutes every day playing it, then you can at least maintain a practice. But I just would would horrible at yeah. that. And I think ultimately, I just don't. Yeah, I don't know. I want to learn an instrument eventually. Same. Just one. All I need is one. I think the drums I'm going to come back to. I, I struggle with this uh, balance of like, I do so much improv and now with this like doing humor for hope, I'm doing all these other things and there's like trying to figure out the, the right balance of like seeing people doing what I need to do, seeing my family. And with drums, I was, it was just like, I can't do another thing where I'm just alone in my house. Like I need to... Like I just had to. It became like, all right, I'm. I this will get pushed down the line, and I'll do it. Yeah. Later. I know it's tough. I feel like my life. I have such a small window of things that I'm able to do for myself, which is fine. I don't mind that. But I like. Oh, I want to learn to play the piano. 
And then I think like, well, like with the 10 minutes a day, sometimes it's like I come home and I'm so tired. I'm like, I literally need to, I can't focus anymore. Like my brain is just kind of gone. And so, but we're going to try. We're really going to give it our all. That's awesome. 2019. Um, Maybe just start with Fur Elise to see if that's... Absolutely. Or a song. If I would have started with Fur Elise when I was young, I'd be like, oh shit, cool. I don't need to do any more. Yeah. We'll see. I learned... I took a piano class in college. And so I feel like I've got just the basic... I can read music. It's I'm not fast at it, but I can like look at a page and understand, like break it down like this is what the notes are. So I feel like I'm on the... I've got a good start. Yeah. We'll see. Oh, cool. I don't know. Well, that's exciting. We can do a little bit of a check-in. Do you have... um? Uh, like lessons already set up no. for the beginning of the year? No. Oh, okay. Absolutely not. Do you have a date when you'd like to begin this? Probably when I come back from winter break. I'm going home and I come back on like the, really the end of the year. Oh, cool. And so that would be nice to just, what I need to do and what it really has helped me is establishing a schedule and mm. I have to like write it down or put it in my phone where it's like on Monday mornings at 9 a.m. I do this, whatever it is, you know, like, or I'll put a reminder to my phone, like, it's 7 p.m. on a Tuesday night. It's time to play the piano. Oh, yeah. You know, like, instead of just dreaming up in my head, these are the things I'm going to do this week. That, I'm not able to actualize any of that. I have to make a list and, like, write it down and Ah. set time aside. Otherwise, I'll just, like, get scrambled and never do it. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Well, damn, that's awesome. We'll see. I'll keep you updated. I'm going to be in the Olympics. You're going to be playing with the... John Legend. John Legend. Yeah. Yeah. Shooting for the moon. Hell yeah. Why not, right? (laughs) Honestly, I could just do a little duet with him. It'll be great. (laughs) I would love to do a duet with him where I just get to sit next to him and then he just like sings and plays the piano and I'm just like... I just up. listen to him? Yeah. That would be amazing. I had a friend once when I had my piano here. She played the piano and sang. And I was just like hanging out, just listening. I was like, this is unbelievable. Those people, there's, I have a few friends who are so insanely musically talented. I have a, I had a friend in college who like got into Juilliard, right? For music and, or it was either music or musical or, or theater. De- declined it. Do you have those friends who have this unbelievable talent and they don't utilize it fully? Um, sure. I don't okay. want my friends to think that they're untalented if they're listening. You, know, okay. you all are very talented. <laughs> they're, I mean, she and I would, sometimes I think people have these gifts and they're not meant to be utilized in that way. Like, sure, some people are like amazing chefs and they're like, I actually just like to do it for fun. Yeah. And that's totally fine. Sure, sure, sure. And my friend is one of those people where she could be on Broadway and she just, I don't think, I, I don't, I haven't talked to her in like several years, so I don't know the deep root of this question and answer, but I would assume that she just didn't want to, yeah. otherwise she would have because she could. So she like got accepted to this, to Juilliard, declined it, went to Roosevelt University and then left and then graduated from my like tiny liberal arts school in Oklahoma where it's like no one's recruiting for a talent there yeah. <laughs> yeah but anytime i'd hang around her and she would even do like these dumb singing in a way that's you're not trying and she still sounded like you know audra mcdonald and it was unreal i would just like listen to her sing all i could listen to her sing all day long yeah 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 she's so good 
maybe I'll have to bring her on too. I can have her on and she can sing in the microphone. Please. And bring your mom on. And She lives in East Texas, um, but I'm sure she could, you know, she'd be happy to come up. She used to live here, so. <laughs> oh, okay. You know. Show around town. Absolutely. Mm, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited to see your piano skills. I'm excited to see your swimming skills. I love to swim, and so hearing you say that brings me some joy. Oh, yeah. I want to... Um, one, I want to use it to like stop being scared, and then also sure. just like yeah, be, feel like it'd be an awesome exercise. And it's the best exercise in my opinion. That and cycling, because they're just it's so easy on your body, especially swimming. Swimming, you're suspended. Yeah. So it's like your whole body is supported, but then it's both cardio and strength at the same time. Like that is the perfect workout. I did take swimming classes um, as a when I was going into high school. I took swimming classes, uh, and I was in the deep end of the water. And then mm-hmm. we kind of did it. And I don't actually know what happened. Like I was fine in the deep water, and then I didn't continue it, and re it like re became a problem. It manifested again. again. Yeah, but there were these little kids. I was taking. Did you swim- ever have an experience where you felt like you were drowning, or you did drown, or no? But sometimes. Well, that I don't remember. But sometimes okay. when I like when I'm in a shower and I put cold water on the top of my head, I feel like I get these like weird flashbacks into a past life of like Whoa. it just feels like I'm drowning and I've had a few times where just I get these like weird flashes of a of a weird memory. And I don't know if that's real. Do you think you had a past life? Do I think I had a past life? Hmm. I've never had like a sense of like there this feels like uh there was a former life i guess other than that like flash when i'm showering mm-hmm. with cold water um yeah i don't know if i have i mean i kind of believe in that i, I was going to say do you believe in that a little bit i mean i i don't i don't know actually to sure. be fully honest but uh the to yeah i mean i guess i don't know i think that i think that the, the I guess people's like essence can be transferred or over time. I think that that might totally be a thing. But yeah. I don't know if I like. I don't have any sort of like strong sense that what I am now was a part of someone else's yeah thing. That's fascinating. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. Do you believe in past lives? I don't know either. Um. Yeah. I mean, if I had to like give a strong answer, I would probably say no but i am very open to the fact that i'm wildly wrong and i'm okay with that so i would say i really don't know if you're forcing my hand it would lean towards no but i don't know either sometimes i think i hear stories that are so bizarre and and out there that i'm convinced that we had to have had past lives given these circumstances or people's experiences but I've personally never had any reason to believe for myself that I lived a past life. Same here. I do kind of like uh, if I yeah if I was to pick something on a multiple choice test, my belief would be like uh, there's like a this other place that like the soul sort of shifts back and forth from, mm-hmm. and like they're down here and we're living our life, and then you die, and that soul or whatever it is goes somewhere. And then it kind of comes back or gets like morphed with other something else and returns to a new yeah, person. I mean, I, yeah. can, I can probably get down with that. Obviously, that's not based in anything other than just hearing some convincing like religious texts or whatever sure. talk about. It's like, oh shit, that sounds kind of cool. Like, yeah. I'm definitely not like of the like uh, you, you die and then it's over. I right, don't really right, believe right. in that. I don't. I'm not not specifically like a heaven or a hell type post life thing, but. Mm-hmm. 
the the at least just like when someone says you die and then it's over and that whatever used to be inside of you is now gone like and it never returns that just doesn't like internally it's like that just doesn't seem right like yeah that just doesn't make sense and i mean that sure. could obviously be just as real as the soul goes away and then comes back it's just like i mean you've been to like at a funeral if you see someone there who looks exactly like they did when they were alive but they're no longer alive i'm like what the fuck just changed like something yes. something is not here anymore yes and what is it uh, who the fuck knows but like that right. something i believe in that something whatever yes. that is spirit soul whatever you want to yeah, call it yeah for sure just like it's fair i think that's isn't that like kind of the like a root of a lot of like uh the belief in the afterlife was like cultures would like see this person who used to be alive and then they're now dead but they look the exact same so they're like well what the fuck just happened like mm-hmm. something used to be here and now it's not here yeah so that must mean that they there there's a whatever like however the egyptians thought of the soul because that's why they would like put like they would put shit in your in your uh tomb or whatever because yes. they thought that that would your whatever you would carry it yeah on with you or or whatnot isn't it crazy that we still have don't fucking know like not that we do, like not that we still don't know but like However, two thousands of years later, we're still kind of under this same belief that those old cultures were of just like, oh, we don't know what happened. This person was dead and now, or was alive yeah. and now they're dead. It's fascinating to me that like throughout human existence, so much has changed and yet nothing has changed at all, mm. right? We're able to, we have fire, we have electricity, we have moving cars, we are going into the fucking space and... Yet relationships are still the same. There's still a root feeling of being a human. There's still birth and there is still death. All of the human basic connection and need, the need to be filled physically, emotionally, spiritually, like those are all still exactly how those Egyptians felt thousands of years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jealousy is the same. Joy is the same. Like nothing has changed in that sense. Now we just have a bunch of fucking crap in our apartments that like that's the only different part about it yeah it is wild it's crazy to sit and think about that are those a, people dealt with the same stuff that we're dealing are with. are you a joseph campbell fan are you do you know much of joseph campbell no okay so uh, uh joseph campbell is a comparative mythologist mm-hmm. uh he was a, a, a dude uh, i think he's dead now but from the 70s he wrote a lot of books basically he was big on like um myths that our cultures and our religions tell us and basically that Kind of what you just said, which is that uh, we all go through the same shit, be it the Egyptians or people who live now in the jungles versus us. We still go through these similar like stages in life and the stories we tell are to help guide us in mm. these um, ways. Because like we all ultimately are going through those same things. It's just, yeah. yeah, some people do it in buildings. Other people do it out in jungles with lions. But you're kind exactly. of dealing with the same sort of root issues of like figuring out like what the fuck am I supposed to be doing? What here? am I doing here? Yeah, Absolutely. It's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. It is really, really nuts. Awesome. Awesome, neat. That was great. <laughs> what a way to wrap it up. What a way to wrap wow, it up. Wow, hey. Done like some existential conversations to top off this d- lovely afternoon. It's please, actually a beautiful day outside. Please Instagram either of us if you know what actually happens after you die, because I think we're both pretty curious in figuring out what... Sure. I mean, I feel like I... I'm like, I think this is what will happen to me. Yeah. But I don't know. I've never died before. So if you're a former soul that used to be in another person. You're and a ghost. Returned, if you're a ghost and you've returned and you're back to you're into this Earth, podcast. Yeah. 
shoot Chirag an email. Yeah, please give me a follow. Honestly, yeah, I'd love a follow and like a yo, this is what to expect. Do you really quickly? Do you believe in those stories where people will say that they died and came back? Have you heard? Like, it's very big into like certain. I would say more conservative Christian communities where people will hear like this boy died and he saw Jesus and or whatever it is and then like came back to life. Um, like, do you believe that that? Um, not not even in a religious sense. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Like in a just a general sense. Like, do you think that you can die and come back? So my gut is that like I think that it was maybe uh, this is based in no science, but like it was maybe just like a dream turned up to like a thousand because okay. like dreams can feel so real totally um and so it's just like maybe you just like went to a point like you're for whatever reason like i guess like in a psychedelic trip sort of sense like your brain got pushed to a point that seemed so far removed from like because when we go to sleep we know we're dreaming i guess but like um like you just got pushed to a point so far away due to whatever sort of was happening maybe you did almost die and like just got taken to a place you've never been that seemed like yeah. And then you, whatever, somehow came back. Yeah. Is what I would first yeah. guess, but I don't. That's fair. I don't know for certain. Yeah. All right, ghost okay. people. Okay, ghosts, listen up and hit us up. Hit us up, please. Also, we're looking for more volunteers, I think. Please, absolutely. Ghost. Yeah. If you're a ghost or a, hum- a living human who would like to volunteer with Humor for Hope, please email. Um, you can email several people. Cat. Uh, or it's Kay Wilson, Kay Wilson at humorforhope.com, or you can email me, Katie at humorforhope.com, and we will get back to you. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Shrug, thanks really for having me. It was so great. Bye, people. Bye. Bye.